Rebels attack, drivers protest, there are big shunts, incredible qualifying results, and Max Verstappen whinges and wins. G'day there, my name is James Baldwin, and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we review the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Joined as always by my friends and yours, it's Freya. G'day, Freya. How you doing? Doing very well. And Tommy T, my man, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. How you doing? Uh, it's good. Uh, good for Freya to be in the correct time zone where it's appropriate to have had a couple of beers recording the podcast. For us, it's six o'clock in the morning. TT, not upset about not it. Not such a big deal. <laughs> I mean, we could still have a beer, but it's just frowned upon, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Campy would not be proud of us, uh, but who cares about that? <laughs> Literally not us. Uh, I know he's also listening to this episode, um, and uh, thank you to you if you've uh, commented to say that you don't miss the heavy breathing. Uh, neither <laughs> do we. <laughs> Certainly me not editing this episode, that's for sure. But... Uh, a big shout out to you if you have actually left us a rating or review. There's been a significant increase since last week, and and I really, really do appreciate it. We all do. Uh, we've had 119 now on Apple Australia podcasts uh, with a 4.9 average. That's fantastic. And uh, 4.9 average from 85 reviews on Spotify. Very, very good. Uh, also from Elaith, she says, uh, love this podcast from episode one. Gets better every year and it gets better every episode this season. As for the aforementioned lack of heavy breathing, uh, <laughs> still good news. Uh, but we went to Saudi Arabia, guys, and uh, well, we almost didn't race Tommy T. Um, yeah. Apparently just your everyday uh, general rebel attack uh, at the Aramco plant up the road. Uh, means everything is fine. How did you see all of that? Because that meeting went very, very long into the night. Yeah, genuinely shocked. I think uh, like our group text was kind of, uh, this is definitely not happening, right? Uh, mm. And I was kind of of the same opinion. Like I, don't, I, don't, I think I can't remember who said it, but it was like 15 kilometers away from where you are, something like that's happened and we're just going to go about our business. It's it's very, very bizarre. Um I'm shocked that it actually got together, but I think I think it was just sponsors, maybe money. One of those good old campy quotes that it's all about the money. <laughs> yes. um, I, I won't <laughs> steal his quote. He can he can use that another time. But I'm genuinely shocked that we got running, but it went without a hitch after that. But yeah, it was touch and go for a second. I think. Yeah, I mean, a lot of drama in the paddock. Uh, from from what I understand, the drivers. Uh, concluded that they didn't want to race uh, and then there was a bit of pressure potentially from team bosses, from F1, from sponsors. Yes, I mean, there's been the term we race for money uh, rather than as one being bantered around the place all over the internet, F1, Twitter, absolutely loving it. Freya, though, for the safety aspect of these drivers, I mean, you can understand why they're not stoked about it. 12 kilometres away from the track, uh, and an incident like this, if that help, happened in Port Melbourne whilst we're at Albert Park, you probably wouldn't be racing, would you? Absolutely not. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of the chaos that we saw in Melbourne when people were wondering whether they were going to race when COVID kind of kicked off and that type of thing where you they were starting to ask the questions, what does it take? You know, what does it take for them to call off a race? And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if probably more of the veteran drivers as opposed to the newbies, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of them say they won't go back to Saudi Arabia after that because I think it's one thing to say I don't agree with 
going there in the first place, but I also understand the nature of sponsorship and how that affects a relationship with um, teams and Formula One and all those types of things. But it's a bit different once your personal safety has been threatened, I think, um, in terms of just how much that affects your view. So you'll be interesting to see once they get out of the country um, what some of the opinions are that we hear. Certainly the track itself is fantastic, I think, uh, putting aside the rest of what was going on. Uh, in terms of the level of racing, it was pretty significant, but a lot more crashes this year than we saw last year, certainly in F2 and in F1. And, of course, the, the big crash was Mick Schumacher. Tommy T, uh, I, like, <laughs> like me, you didn't watch it live because you're not a madman. You're not going to do two qualifying sessions live in a row. But, Freya, mm-hmm. you did watch that live. Uh, and for me, when I watched, I mean, there was obviously big throwbacks to Roman Grosjean's crash in terms of the way that it was it was handled. But one of the things I noticed that was a, a lot different was that they weren't immediately replaying the big accident. They were waiting to see what was actually the result of, of Mick's crash and whether or not he was okay. Turns out he was absolutely fine, which is fantastic to know, of course. But that's an important thing, isn't it, that we've come a long way since then. We remember DR was very much against what was going on, those replays that happened over and over and over again at the circuit in Bahrain after Roman's crash. Uh, so for something, and then coming into your broadcast review, Tommy T, at least the broadcast got it right in that respect, Freya. I think so. And I have to say I kind of had to catch myself a little bit because they cut away pretty quickly from the crash and my instinctive thought was actually, oh, yep, classic, we're going to cut away from, from what's going on on the track to nothing but then I actually caught myself and thought no, actually no that's the right thing to do here until we know what the outcome is um, and more to that they they we were, they weren't seeing much until they they had a clear outcome which was as you say the right thing to do especially after what happened last time and just how serious that did turn out to be so it's such a relief that it did did turn out to be okay um, and I think the, th- the the part that gave me chills in watching that was um uh, Hamilton being interviewed at the time. That's the second time he's mm. been mid-interview when there's been a really serious accident. Um, and just seeing how much it shakes a driver um, when they see that kind of thing take place certainly snaps you back to the risks. And it's a, it is an amazing track for sure, but there are some serious risks here. Tommy T, one of the big things, of course, for this year is these new cars, new regulations, and this incident specifically, we saw the back half of the car completely detached from the front half of the car, except for a wire, uh, made it look a hell of a lot worse than it was until afterwards where we found out that actually that was supposed to happen and these new cars are supposed to take that energy and disperse it. But from us just watching, oh, I mean, when the gearbox is hanging off the back... Um, yeah. And the marshals weren't expecting that either. <laughs> There's, it just really looks bad, doesn't it? And I think it just shows that how how far Formula One's come. Like if you think back 20, 30 years, you see a yard sale of that kind of just stuff everywhere. Everything was supposed to stay on the car 30 years ago. Now it's supposed to just disperse and kind of grab as much energy as it can and save the driver in the cockpit as much as possible. So it is confronting to see so much stuff spread so far and fly in the air and whatever, but... We know now that that's the main thing and we've seen how good the halo has been in the last couple of years and everything they're doing is making these cars much, much safer. It is still a very dangerous sport and it's one of those unfortunate corners that didn't have extra protection. It was straight into concrete um, just because it was an unexpected area, but very glad that even still Mick was able to essentially walk away and go get checked in hospital and be back at the track for the race uh, yeah. to, to watch on. So that that's a 
big positive that we can all be happy with that this sport is as safe as it possibly can be and, and, and only getting safer. Of course, Seb Vettel also uh, returning another positive COVID test, uh, which, look, to be honest, I don't think he's that sad about missing this Grand Prix specifically, to be honest. But uh, it meant that the man with the sorest neck in the world, Nico Hulkenberg, was back again. Uh, I look happy to see him back, Freya, but it's not like the return where Racing Point were racy towards the front and he had a car that was, you know, the pink Mercedes back in the day. This car, still an absolute dog, it seems, uh, and really not being able to push towards the front. <laughs> but uh, for, for him, though, it's, I mean, this is it, surely. Like the, the Hulk and back kind of vibe, I'm not sure he's enjoying it as much as he did at that Racing Point. No, I don't think so. And we heard that from JB in commentary today, kind of saying, I, I think this is one very tired and sore man, to be honest. Um, yeah, obviously <laughs> the car is not performing where it needs to, but how fit is he as, as a racer as well? Kind of just wondering if it's a combination of both those things. Obviously we can get some idea as to how much of it is sitting with the car by seeing Stroll's performance, but um, at the same time, it's you've got to question how well he's able to to perform at the moment. Well, look, I'm here for the memes. Hulkenberg back, Hulkenberg, Hulkenberg. It's all a big yes from me. Anyway, let's get into my favourite part of the podcast, Tommy T's television broadcast review. <laughs> It's definitely not my favourite part because I have to actually think about something. I have oh. to do work. Can, let, let me start you off. <laughs> let let me start you off, TT, with with David Croft's new favourite saying, foot flat to the floor. He said that in qualifying at least 17 times too many times. He also uh, likes calling it the corniche, doesn't he? That was he loves it. Loves it. Also yes. loves calling the wrong cars out yet again um, and the wrong numbers and the wrong helmets. But anyway, so that, that's my feedback. It's just... That's just standard crofty. Uh, I had kind of just two pieces. Uh, love JB, hate Uncle Johnny. That's kind of just sums up the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Johnny in the pits You're not wrong. is useless. <laughs> He's so dumb. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, the cars I'm just come past him. me. Oh, and they've, yep, done, and a they've pit, done a pit stop uh, uh, and, and they're out. they gone again. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> what was that for? That's pointless. Absolutely yeah. no value. He's a pointless added. human being and should, Whatsoever. James, you would be less useless at an F1 weekend than him. And that's saying a lot because I would still be quite <laughs> useless. Uh, but, again, Johnny and I have the same number of um, World Drivers Championships, so uh, look, potentially I'm just as qualified to commentate as he is. Uh, Freya, how did you see the broadcast? Big fan. Love JB. <laughs> yeah. Happy to. Look, I'm happy yeah, to love- be the other JB and step in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love JB. He's just so cool, calm and collected, like just nothing seems to phase him in a race and when it comes to kind of reporting that back for people listening and I love a bit of excitement in commentary, don't get me wrong, um, but at the same time when he sees what's going on, he kind of just calls it as it is, it's very calm, he brings an element of just um, peace to the commentary when you're just hitting, hearing the wrong yeah. thing, crappy things coming out of Crofty. So more JB is definitely yeah. my take from broadcast. And I think he gets excited at the right times. Like so when mm. we were looking at that mm. last DRS zone, which was a big talking point of this race, he was pointing out things and getting you excited that you otherwise wouldn't have. He's like, look at what they're doing here. Like they're both trying to be last across that yep. line to get DRS. And 
he was making it more interesting than say Crofty otherwise would have because he would have just been, oh, and he's like, he's lost the place. Now he's got it back. It's like quite clear what was going on once JB pointed it out. You're like, oh, right, that's illuminating. Thank you for that piece of information. That's what we (laughs) want from the commentators. Something that I don't know and can't just see on a screen. And can't see happening in front of me. In fact, and you're you're actually just repeating what has just happened back to us. So, Mm. yeah, 100%. Exactly. Yeah, he is absolutely well worth the value. Uh, And look, Martin Brundle also very good at doing that too. He's good at writing the line between sensationalism and facts, though, as Martin, as I said, as we normally say, rather, he spends most of his time correcting Crofty about the wrong driver or car or team or whatever. Um, I'm surprised that Racing Point hasn't been mentioned by Crofty yet. Here comes Esteban Ocon in the Racing Point. Anyway, uh, give it time, I'm sure. Well, actually, there's only one more race in this livery. Thank goodness for that. We go back to the blue livery for Alpine. But, Tommy T, you're rating at a 10 for the broadcast? Because we got JB, I think it's probably a 7. Oh, I think geez. so. I mean, he's worth a lot of. What did you give last lot. week? Like three. Yeah, <laughs> he's it was useless. Worth though. Four points. Fantastic. Yeah, well, and it's uh, no surprise. <laughs> well, look, let's, we'll feed that back. Of course, everyone from Sky Sports F1 listens to this podcast, so I'm sure they'll uh, enact all of those things immediately. Uh, let's talk about the actual weekend, though. Practice, though, was. Basically testing again for McLaren. Uh, They keep trying to find better sides, better testing, better setups, whatever it is for the car. Um, Doesn't look like they had too bad a weekend, but when we're saying too bad a weekend and they're sort of fighting around that 11th to 13th, there's still a lot wrong with this car. But uh, Freya, they'd be obviously working very hard to try and improve the vehicle since last weekend at least they've got two weeks now until the melbourne grand prix what do you think though they're actually going to be able to do in that time if anything i mean it's better than having one week so maybe that's a positive but <laughs> i think what kind of Great. I love what it. concerned me a little bit with some of those the interviews is that they don't seem to know quite what they've got wrong in terms of, I don't know, it's just me listening to the interviews with Lando, with Daniel, um, also obviously with Andreas, and they're, they're calling a lot of lines of, you know, now's not the time to point fingers. We need to come together as a team, look at the car holistically, figure out where we're going wrong from a bigger picture perspective. And they're all the right things to say when it comes to presenting a unified front, which is important, but also they're not saying, yep, we just need to change our rear wing. We It was, you know, too big, this, that and the other. It was the lack of certainty around what it is they're actually going in to, to change or make adjustments to was an interesting thing for me. So I'm not sure if they are looking at such potentially significant or holistic changes. I'm not sure what you can get done in one move like that. And while they've got two weeks, sure, they've also got to get everything to Australia. So... That's not a sim- That's not a short, short process. So how much of that can actually go into redesign and changes? The big thing, of course, Tommy T, is yes, they'll be wanting to change and upgrade their car, but there's nine other teams on the grid doing exactly that when they're so far back already. It seems like an absolute handicap for them going forward. It's the hardest. It's going to be the hardest pill to swallow if DR doesn't perform well, at least mm. in the points in Melbourne for the Grand Prix, but as a McLaren fan, well, as McLaren fans, probably all of us, it's really, really hard to watch. And unified front or not, it 
is kind of like, well, that's nice, but we we don't want to be having these conversations. We want DR to be towards the front fighting this for this championship because he doesn't have that long left to be able to do that. Yeah, and I think this is always going to be the issue. We were really excited about new regulations and that's what we've been waiting for. But this is the other side of that coin where it doesn't always go the way you think. Uh, and they've actually <laughs> found it much more difficult in these new regs mm. than they did in the previous regs. I'm just hanging my hat on it's all Mercedes' fault and their their power yes. is useless. <laughs> uh, and that's what's to blame. I think that's yep. just we should have a unified front in that that landscape because it's, yeah. it's pretty evident that the Mercedes is down on power. Uh, all the other teams using that engine are struggling. We saw Williams was really competitive last year when given an opportunity with that engine and now they're back at the back. Uh, mm. Whereas the Ferrari teams are cruising to the front. So I think it is a big power unit discrepancy. That's not all of McLaren's problems, but hey, we can we can give the lion share, I think, to that uh, and then just hope that maybe it was just a desert problem uh, and that's that's the issues that McLaren have been having with overheating and we'll get to Europe and we'll be all fine. That's, that's kind of my optimistic take on this. <laughs> Let's keep everything crossed for that because we would bloody love to see it. Let's be perfectly honest. Let's talk about qualifying because Sergio Perez, the first Mexican ever to put it on pole, an absolute stonking lap. Our qualifying Max Verstappen only for the second time as his teammate. But, I mean, Charles Leclerc put an absolutely incredible lap in Freya, but to be beaten by what everyone would call the second driver at Red Bull <laughs> must have hurt him, but goodness me the joy and you could just imagine Checo's dad absolutely losing his mind in a positive way wherever he was watching in the world absolutely and you could hear in Charles's reaction just gutted to be pipped at the post like that um and yeah you know it and it was uh Perez not not Verstappen which is an interesting one and I think um Perez almost seemed to be a little bit shocked by himself in his performance, <laughs> kind of saying I'd, I could do that a million times over and I still wouldn't be able to put it together in the way that I did in the moment then, which is just fantastic. Um, I was absolutely here for it. And, yeah, I wish we'd had a, uh, a dash cam on on his dad at the time so that we could all get around his reactions. I was lucky enough to be watching it with um, actually found one other person to watch Collie with us and he was Mexican and was was pretty excited about it. New to the sport but still excited nonetheless. So that was cool to see. So I had some sort of, uh, you know, there in spirit <laughs> Mexican support. <laughs> what a time to come to the sport. Uh, that's uh, that's very, very good by them. But Tommy T, uh, Max just couldn't quite get it together. He seemed like the balance of the car was all over the place. He doesn't, uh, well, obviously he walked away with the win this weekend, but this is not the Max Verstappen overall collectively that we've seen in the last couple of years. He's a lot more... Well, I'm going to say whingy because it just seems if you're now, Vocal. if you're the defending wide yeah. drivers championship, you're now the get to be the whingiest person on the grid. Um, you should. Uh, but he seems <laughs> the whingiest. Maybe we're just playing all the radio and he was always like that. But the balance obviously wasn't a big uh, success for him in qualifying. He got it together for the race, which is good. Uh, but for Checo, obviously setting up his own car still, we would hope. He's really found his groove in that Red Bull team. And as we said last weekend, there'd be absolutely no reason now for Red Bull to be even considering anybody else where yep. he's fighting towards the front. Quality result like that, it's unfortunate. We'll get to, of course, where he came in the race. But for Red Bull to be so close to Ferrari 
and more powerful than Ferrari down the straight with a better power unit and suffering a little bit in the corners from the lack of downforce or the being sucked to the ground. It's almost the invert inverse of what we saw last year with Mercedes and Red Bull in, in the other way around. So it's sort of new territory yeah. for them in a lot of ways, but Max really uh, trying his best to make it work and not necessarily collecting it for qualifying. I think it comes down to him being comfortable in the car. I think he's had what the last five, six years, so comfortable with the setup of that car. He has been the driver since Daniel left, getting the car exactly his way. It's almost started back to neutral and this is only the second race. And him and Sergio are pulling the cars in two different directions within their driving styles and it's kind of still in the middle somewhere um, and it's worked for Sergio this week, uh, but it worked for Max in the race. So I think we're just seeing the evolution of this car being developed towards a max style and he'll be able to absolutely fine tune that it's just a comfort thing he could rely on that those last two years of red bull car doing exactly what he wanted basically because it was built for him Mm. it's not yet it's still just this new product that they're trying to adapt so i i would put it down to that mostly um and sergio just set it up better for quality and max set it up for the race Alpine were looking pretty strong in qualifying as well. Ocon in fifth and Alonso in seventh, faster than the Mercedes overall as a car. We'll get to Lewis Hamilton's quality in just a moment. But for for these guys, they really are still, though, Freya, in no man's land in a lot of ways. The Ferrari uh, fight up the front with Red Bull is a big thing. Mercedes, yes, are kind of there, but... Potentially, Alpine are the biggest contender against Mercedes for that third position. Certainly, McLaren aren't, uh, but it, they're probably not as fast as they want to be compared to that Ferrari power unit. Well, if they stop racing each other, they might be a bit faster <laughs> and actually figure out what their game plan is as a team. Then, yeah, absolutely, they'd be up there um, fighting for third percent potentially. Um, it's it's pretty unexpected certainly for me and I think um, yeah we don't talk about it enough during the race perhaps more so today than we have previously because of that action between their two two drivers um, but they do seem to slip between the cracks a little bit just kind of off doing their own thing and we don't really talk about them um, and then all of a sudden they come through every now and then with some with some good results um, but they seem to be doing better than anyone expected uh, this year. It'll be just interesting to see if they can get their act together when it comes to how they both actually approach their race. Um, and I think from a team communication perspective, we'll talk about them, but from a team communication perspective, they've got to get that sorted. Otherwise, they're not going to maximise that potential, which is there. And we saw, a fight, we saw it in qualifying, we saw it in the race. Um, but they're going to have to get their act together on that front. Yeah, Alonso exited the car, smacking his helmet in absolute frustration. We haven't seen that from Fernando for a while, so it would have been interesting to be in the team debriefing room. That is for sure. The biggest surprise, though, to everyone was Lewis Hamilton being knocked out in Q1, 16th for him, uh, Tommy T. <laughs> Did he even want to go racing there? <laughs> or was he just half turning up? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I They said he, he tried something different setup-wise in qualifying and it didn't come off. Uh, and it was even discussed that because it was so bad, would they start for the pit lane to try and rectify those mistakes? But turns out he actually just set up the car more for racing uh, on today. But very shocking to see him. And he was shocked as well, I think, as well, when he crossed the line that he actually didn't have enough pace because he, he felt like he was doing really well. But... It's just like that sometimes. We just haven't seen it from Lewis in such a long time. He usually doesn't make those kind of mistakes. And when he does, he can still somehow 
pull it out of the bag. And he was only just pipped at the end. I think was it by Stroll or someone at the very last moment crossed the line and, and pushed him down. So um, I don't think we'll see it a lot from Hamilton. I think he'll he'll pull it together because we can see that that car does have the potential where George put it, I think it went sixth or seventh. So he's he's definitely got a better car than that was set up for. I think it was just one of those errors. And again, he's not comfortable with this car yet. No one really would be. Everyone's learning and adapting and trying to pull the car in the direction they want it between them and their teammate. And this is going to be the battle for the first half of the season potentially is these little hiccups trying to trying to milk more out of it uh, and it could potentially go backwards instead of forwards. It's certainly the big shake-up that the sport wanted Freya. I just don't think it's the biggest shake-up that we were expecting. Hamilton out in Q1 still sounds ridiculous to say and not because of anything apart from his lap time. But to be out-qualified by the McLarens, yeah, it's absolutely a car problem <laughs> with George in six. Uh, he'll get it together for the next couple of races, but, uh, yeah, he, his heart probably wasn't totally in this Grand Prix. Yeah, and that's my comment about it. I think this might sound naive just when it comes to how competitive the drivers are and how much they know every single point matters. Obviously, that was evidenced by what happened at the end of last season. But with everything going on this weekend, it is something that crosses your mind where you say, you know, did he go into that qualifying in this race wanting it as much as he does when it comes to other Grand Prix with all the activity that's happened this weekend and the fact that he was vocal last year, he was vocal this year, I don't think we should be going there to race. And obviously there was um, I think a few things going on with Marshall who then had to quit because of comments mm. that were made about, you know, really awful stuff about about Hamilton. Why would Yeah, why would you? Why would you go there and race and put your best foot forward and at the end of the day you'll do it because he's – one of the most competitive people on on the planet and because he's part of a team, they're the two reasons. Um, but when you see that happen as an outcome, there is a side of you, full full tin hat going on here, I'll find a beanie somewhere, um, to say, you know, <laughs> did he feel the same way about his result this weekend that he would have in other places like Silverstone? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Of course, he said during the interview where the accident happened with Mick that uh, with Natalie Pinkham, you know, yes, we hear, you know, professionals and we just get on with it. But I think there is the what you say to the media line and what you actually feel with oh, yeah. two very different things. So you know, it's, a, it's a very, mm-hmm. very good point. Uh, all right, let's talk about the race uh, because just before the race happened, Yuki Sonoda, who couldn't get out in qualifying, also went for a one lap around this circuit. And that was it. It was him done. Um, Red Bull, the powertrain side of the Honda side of life again, it was his turn to have the error, uh, noting that he didn't. He was the only car to finish in Bahrain, so the bad luck was all his this time around. Uh, but we also mentioned, of course, a couple of key points: the Alpine lack of team orders. Uh, Otmar maybe still finding his feet a little bit. I think it is called leadership at one point or another, mate. Just you actually have to call it. Just saying to Crofty, no, we're just gonna let them race. Just wait <laughs> till later. Just just wait till later. It's n- no, don't wait till later because. Ocon needs to get out of the car and Piastri needs to get into it. I mean, sorry, Ocon <laughs> should get out of the way so that Alonso can get through. Uh, that's very, very clear. Um, one of the things, and uh, Tommy, so you put this down, the DRS zone into the last hairpin. Uh, this is the first time that we've been able to visibly see strategy from drivers in terms of approaching the corner, where exactly they're positioned in front or behind of a car, backing out. That Just really, really interesting additional mm. level of jeopardy 
to this race. <laughs> it is. No, I think it's probably one of those things you're going to review going forward as well, where those DR, DRS points are, because it was almost counterintuitive to be leading into a corner at some points, which goes against everything in racing almost. And you could see Max's brain kind of going, I'm supposed to not be in the lead here to try and be in the lead. Hmm. It was just, yeah. it was that like, yeah, he, he you could see it was it was toying with him and he was like, there's a gap there, I've got to go. And he's like, oh no, that's not the fastest way to do it. Um, but it just shows that these cars can follow and you were seeing relentless lap after lap following and challenging, which is exactly what we've wanted for the last previous five sets of rigs. <laughs> um, and we finally got it. <laughs> Uh, just the fact that you could continue to throw moves lap after lap was excellent and you could see it building towards that kind of last five laps where Max finally got in front and then managed to hold him off with strategy. It was just that's what we want to see is two drivers at the peak of their powers battling it out on track, fairly, no contact, just good hard racing. It was perfect. That was a really good finish to that Grand Prix. The uh, whole virtual safety car setup was good for everyone except for Sergio Perez Freya. It was devastating to see. If anyone deserved to win this Grand Prix, it was Sergio. He did all the work in the first half of the race. Uh, it was a great pit stop by Red Bull, of course. And then along comes a certain person who's very good at getting into the wall um, at certain times in a race that potentially might have dramatic effects for the person in the front. And uh, he's just too busy trying to be Canada's Prime Minister at the same time as racing a Formula <laughs> 1 car. Fair enough. He's a very busy person. I understand that. It's all good, but uh, not so good for Checo Perez. Oh, just Latif, don't let that be your thing. Like I just, you, as certain drivers, you you want things to be what you're known for, whether you're the latest of the late breakers, whatever it might be, Latifi, don't let that be your thing, but you're <laughs> on for three in a row at the moment. It's mm. it's going to stick. Well, yeah. it won't stick is more to the point, but it's, um, it's mm. yeah, gosh, you hope that that doesn't happen again. Um, but no, Checo, I really felt for him. That was just such bad luck in terms of timing. And as he said, there is a now two twice it's happened where it hasn't been a benefit to to Red Bull when it has come to um, Latifi's little moments that he's having now repetitively. They might even take but his statue it was such bad luck that they were going to put up. <laughs> <laughs> They're rescinding the free Red Bull. I'm sure he'd beg awfully politely yeah, yeah. for them not to. Um, <laughs> but no, and like you said, he put he put in. He put in all the work in the first half of the race. He got himself in the right mm. position to start off with. He had, had a good start, um, did everything in the first half of the race, had a good pit stop, amazing effort from the team, and then for that to happen, it was actually pretty gutting to watch. Yeah, it was It was, was hard to watch, uh, almost as hard to watch as the all of the cars started failing at the very end of the race. DR oh. had his issue, which was, uh, okay, good, here we go again. Um, and Fernando Alonso, as we said as well, but that obviously meant that the uh, there was an, a blockage to the pit lane. Kevin Magnussen managed to get in just in time. Nico Hülkenberg managed to get in just in time. The last car who hadn't pit for any tyres to change was Lewis Hamilton, uh, which is a shame because he was Despite running quite complaining high about up. them on lap four. <laughs> yes, but not lap doing the fastest four. lap. 
following <laughs> doing that. But I mean, these tires yeah. lasted really well. He he managed to extend that. He did well for a very long time. So whether it's the circuit, whether it's the cars, or combination of both who knows but yeah it was that was hard to swallow for for mercedes fans everywhere and and of course for hamilton although he did end up finishing in the points look let's go through team by team we can talk more about it we'll start at the very back of the grid uh, in uh, two crash cars in williams yos capito not a happy man i can only imagine at this point in time latifi having a moment into the wall Albon having a moment into Stroll. Uh, this will be an interesting view for you both. Uh, Freya, what did you think? Who did you think had that corner? Because I'll also say it's nice when Jensen can commentate on stuff, but when he's paid by Williams to be whatever he is in Williams, he <laughs> says absolutely he nothing about the Williams team in any kind of regard. So, Freya, let's get your opinion on that. Well, he didn't have much to say, did he? Like I was, he was, it was telling his silence when it came to Williams, um, you know, impact in that moment. I would have a stronger opinion on it if I'd actually seen it. Um, I was being flogged crypto at that point in time because they'd changed <laughs> our um, broadcasting to TSN. So, so last week I was trying to, last week I was trying to tell who was on fire. And then this week I was like, yeah, cool, there's a car on the wall, can't tell. Can't tell. Um, but I could still, we could still hear the commentary. And that was a thing, we could tell who was involved. And they oh. were debating who had the line and what was going on. And I was just kind of saying, thinking, you know, JB doesn't have a lot to say here when it comes to Williams. Um, yeah, blame in the moment. So I'm going to turn to Tommy to hear what yeah, you have you to go. say. I can't wait for this to be a theme as well, Freya, of you just getting flog stuffed at key moments in races. I'm really into it. <laughs> yeah. It's the, oh, it's it's the new cutting away to stroll like yeah, at Monaco. Exactly. This, is, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Freya getting yeah, thrown exactly. ads for no reason. Um, uh, I think Absolutely. There, I feel like there was a move there. Stroll was just probably arrogant and shut the door and just mm. – he, he could have left space. He could have like – uh, Albon could have put in less of a lunge, but it was the end of the race. They were both having a crack. It's probably lion share has to go maybe 52% to to Albon maybe because he was slightly behind, but I wouldn't stress. I think that was a move that you want your races to go for. Um, mm. I, I would rather see that out of Albon than not, um, especially yep. coming back into the sport. You want to see that he's got that kind of attitude. Because that was one thing we'd said in the past that he was always shying away from moves and kind of not really going for those. He got a bit gun shy after a few incidents. So if mm. that's kind of him coming back, I'm okay with it. Yeah, well, he started just behind Hamilton and uh, managed to get ahead at the race start. But, yeah, for Williams, it's no good. This is the team that everyone was expecting to get a lot further up the grid because of these regulation changes but it is in fact much of the same for them. Look, I think it was Albon's corner anyway. It was unnecessary for Stroll to continue to turn in when it, Charles and Max and pretty much everyone else had a good cut across that corner into two uh, and go down yep. that straight. It was unnecessary yeah, damage was to there. both of them. Um, just to whinge and you know, close the door unnecessarily, I, I think it was Albon's corner. So, of course, it's Stroll's fault. Um, <laughs> let's talk about... Aston Martin, Nico Hulkenberg finishing ahead of Lance Stroll because of that issue. Hulkenberg uh, in 12th, Stroll in 13th. Uh, still no good at all. Uh, the development useless, for Aston Martin. It? Yeah, it is, Tommy. What do you think? It's it's useless. I mean, it's really nice looking green. Mm, um, he says wearing a nice like looking the- green jumper. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm about to say. Is that because you gave them the color? <laughs> yep. Um, but that's about where it ends. 
that car's pretty crap. Uh, mm. I don't I don't see an upside. I think Seb's going to be very disappointed when he does finally clear COVID protocol and he comes back in Melbourne and he's not going to do that well. The engine's now going to be crap because it's a Merc. They don't seem to have hit any kind of eureka moments with the air on it or anything. It just is – it's going to be the back of the pack. And I actually, as we talked about last week, predicted that would be the worst grid on the car. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see how this season plays out. But I think <laughs> – I think they're going to really struggle. Um, and I think Otmar jump ship at the perfect time because um, I would not want to be – what's his name? The Mike Aston Crack. Martin guy. That is a ripping name. You don't want to be Mike Crack? <laughs> Get it? <laughs> Good. Yeah, Good setup. I would mm-hmm. not want to be. 6.49 a.m. Good. <laughs> After 3.30 nice. getting up. This is where we are. Yeah, it's interesting because looking at the very back of the pack of the standings at the moment, tied on zero points, Williams and Aston Martin, at least McLaren's got six points and they're terrible Um, and they're in eighth. So it is, at this point, the second worst car. You would hope, though, Albon gets it together or the Prime Minister of Canada gets it together at some point this year to get some points up. But for Aston Martin, I mean, yes, Seb is an absolute king and obviously we haven't seen him able to do anything yet uh, in this version of Formula 1 car. But, I mean, Stroll does Stroll things. Tommy T, I think you said this last weekend as well. It's not necessarily because of skill. It's just because he ends up there accidentally <laughs> yeah. on pole sometimes. It's just accidentally his privilege coming through. Yeah. He just like, it's his birthright <laughs> to just luck into situations, I think, and he just <laughs> silver spoons it into the podium. <laughs> <laughs> That is that is very good by you. Silver spooning it into into situations. Uh, That's great. Uh, Let's talk about Alfa Romeo. Freya is very sad for Valtteri, an issue because otherwise he was performing exceptionally well. Um, He he's looking a lot happier. I I said this to you in a message during the race. He's looking much much happier. Qualified in eighth, qualified in sixth last weekend. Uh, The car obviously is incredibly quick because of that Ferrari power unit. Um, Joe Guan Yu had a bit of an issue though. He had a penalty and then he didn't serve the penalty, which was very odd. And he got given a drive-through yeah. penalty. I'm, I need to go back and look at that again because uh, that just seems very, very bizarre. But for Valtteri, he just seems so comfortable and happy in this team. His driving style is incredibly smooth. How he's on the grid, how he is watching Lewis jump off the driver parade truck. <laughs> All of those things, I think it's just a happy place for him and we are here for it, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. And it is really nice to watch. I wonder if there's just a certain freedom there where he just gets to go and race. Like it's none of this, you know, James here. Like it just, Mm. you just get to listen and listen and watch him race, listen and watch him race. You get to listen to him (laughs) speak so positively and obviously enjoy enjoy where he's at and like you said though it's it's everywhere it's off the track it's when he's interacting with other drivers um when he's racing he just seems to be in a much happier position and I just wonder if part of it comes with just afraid of being able to go out and go Mm. fast and not be worried about um having somebody you know call team orders when you're either having a good time and doing pretty well um or, or, you know, not sure if you can do better. It's just not that concern of being interrupted. Um, for Joe, it was troubling at the start. DR had a good start and then he nearly got taken out and then I think he was quite lucky, quite frankly, not to punt DR all the way over into Stroll mm. completely. So I think he'll have a few things to think about there 
um, when it comes to those situations. Um, but, yeah, from Bodass, I'm just loving watching him at Alpha. Yeah, his uh, adopted Australian, Tommy T, uh, yep. he does look happier. We are happier, therefore, as a result. And it's not the huge demotion down the back of the grid that we saw Kimi Raikkonen go from Ferrari to Alpha. Um, of course, no. that was because the Ferrari power unit magically got slower than it was the year before when Charles Leclerc was racing in the South. Anyway, who knows why that happened. But for him, it's good news, uh, and they're really pushing this car forward and developing. But again, as Freya said, I mean, he's the lead driver now, so everything is about Valtteri in this team. Yep. But he seems to just, I don't know, we don't get to see much of that team, but it has an aura of just calm and professional. There doesn't seem to be any hecticness and politics kind of going on it just seems to be like we're a good race team we all get along we're here to do a good job and kind of continue on there's no extra which i think bottas is that just is him really he Mm. never really liked that stuff he shied away from that kind of stuff and just wanted to be there to race so it's kind of fitting him to a t i don't think you're going to get much out of joe in that respect either he seems like quite a professional and just wants to do a good job so good driver pairing from that aspect of it with a all the extra stuff. But yeah, I think Joe, Joe was fine. I think he, he hasn't disappointed so far. I think you could say like he's been as we'd expect. Um, but I think if you're going to see Bottas do so well, you're going to want to see Joe do similar uh, in qualifying and maybe mm. like we expected Yuki maybe to do better than the other two rookies last year. You're kind of expecting the same thing out of Joe because he does have better machinery. So the time will come where he'll have to do that and get closer to Bottas. But for now, I think he's doing a great job um, adapting as best he can. I think the main comparison for us would be Mick Schumacher in the Haas against Joe. Uh, yeah. And because similar sort of well, the same power unit, similar team coming from the back towards the front. Um, and similar age in, in drivers as well. Uh, but, yeah, for, for Joe, with the incident with DR Freire, I wonder if it was, it was just too much going on. There was anti-stall happening. His car wasn't happy, mm. and he was maybe trying to problem-solve at the same time as drive, and that's one of the things, obviously, you get better at uh, the longer you race in Formula 1. I think that comes from experience. Yeah, well, compared to a Formula yeah, 2 car. Yeah, exactly. He just doesn't have experience in those in those moments. And so that's something that, like I said, he'll, he'll go back and look at and say, right, when you've got this amount going on, what do I prioritize in terms of where Mm. my attention goes? Because that's what all of these things come down to. Um, because you can only kind of focus your attention on any one thing. Um, and you'd hope that that's also something that, um, that VB would be able to give him guidance on as well. And say, you know, here's how you navigate out of those situations without either, um, you know, not leaving enough space for people or whatever it might have been in that moment. There was a lot happening. Um, I think, yeah, that's going to come down to experience. We'll get back to the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix review in just a moment. But I just wanted to say a massive thank you to those of you who have left a rating or review since our last episode. As I said last week, we are a podcast of fans just like you. We aren't supported by advertising and we don't hide behind a paywall. And to continue to do that, we would love for your support, especially in the US. We know we've got some amazing people all over the place in the United States and we want to try and get the word out to more. So if you've got a US friend, no matter where you live in the world, please share this podcast with them if they like Formula One or even Drive to Survive. And let's be honest, who doesn't like that? Well, a massive thank you to you again. Let's get back to the show.
It's a real shame to not see a second Haas car start on the grid, mainly because they were my team for Fantasy League because I went all in after last <laughs> week. So that was good by it me. It all comes back to James. <laughs> has to. Um, Schumacher, though, obviously not starting. Um, and the reason they didn't field another car, which I thought was really interesting, Tommy T, was they weren't confident that if Schumacher or Kevin had another issue, they would have enough spare parts for Australia in two weeks' time. So they opted to not start the car Um, in preparation for them to crash. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, Schumacher's second year here and second time he's crashed, (laughs) so maybe there is something to it. But uh, Magnussen finishing in ninth, he had a very good scrap with Lewis as well. Uh, He's got to be feeling pretty good, although he would also probably be the second sorest neck in the world right now because he still hasn't been training to have his level of G-forces, right? So as I think I said last week, Obviously, we've got two weeks now between now and the Australian Grand Prix, which is good. More training for him. I wonder when he finally reaches his peak performance-wise, as in body-wise, mm. how that starts showing in how he's driving this car because the Haas is clearly very good. Um, and Mick at, all, at that point was a similar time to, to K-Mag as well. I mean, he qualified in, in 14th after punting it into the wall. So, you know, not a terrible time, wasn't the... Wasn't the slowest at all. Uh, but for Haas generally, Gunter Steiner would be feeling pretty happy, I think, Tommy T. And K-Mag is only getting better and better and better, and especially considering he's never raced at this circuit before. I'm interested to see what happy Gunter looks like because I don't think we've actually got to see it. How does it manifest into <laughs> what we see on Draft to Survive next year as a happy guy? Because we've only seen him just angry at idiots and morons and whatever he'd call them wankers uh but so that'll be interesting to see but yeah i, I don't think you can complain i think k makes an excellent job for someone thrown in i think they said 11 days before we mm-hmm. we tested so that's pretty incredible and then to go through two back-to-back weekends straight after testing as well that has got to be some fatigue and like he will be a sore guy because at least hulkenberg's kind of come in and just had to do two race weekends. He hasn't had to do a full slog of testing and do all of the, like the seat fitting and like get amalgamated to the team. He's just kind of rolled in as a super sub, like he said, and just raced. Um, whereas I think K-Mag will be like, okay, this last month and a bit is caught up. I need this two weeks to recuperate and reset for Australia because it would be insane the amount of like G-Force going through that neck. Um, I don't even know what that would feel like to have your neck feeling like it's about to fall off. I think he he posted something earlier today or yesterday just saying how sore his neck is. Um, because, yeah, you see Daniel Ricciardo, he's a skinny guy and he's got this just monster Chunky neck that's as wide as his head. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, it's, not, it's something that we just can't comprehend how much G-Force goes through that um, and what that would feel like to have your head feeling like it's going to fall off. Yeah, and uh, especially out of this track, which is we've got the most corners uh, in the circuit, the second longest. I mean, yeah, it's, corners. Uh, <laughs> well, you probably corners. You'd feel it with corners. the G forces. Yeah, uh, let's be honest. Freya, for you though, K Mag. I mean, it's still bringing joy. You also said to me earlier in the race weekend when they both arrived, the photos of K Mag and Mick Schumacher arriving the track. I think on Thursday or Friday, you were like this brings me just undeniable joy, and I don't know why. <laughs> Have you figured that out yet? <laughs> No, I haven't. Who needs to analyse feelings? That's a silly thing to do. Um, no, it's, <laughs> like it, it probably profession. goes back to what I was saying last. Yeah, stupid. Um, it kind of goes back to what I was saying last week, I think, in that 
it's just a pairing that makes a lot of sense for both of them. You've got somebody who is got a more experienced driver to learn from. They both seem to feel really privileged and excited to be there. And again, that's just a pleasure to watch as a fan um, because it is pretty aggravating watching somebody um, who has that sense of entitlement in terms of their place in both the sport um, and at the top tier of, of this sport. So I think I'm just enjoying watching somebody race who just absolutely loves racing and is giving it a red hot crack. Like second second week back and he's finished in the points twice, like that's amazing. And sure, they've got it's a different car and we all know that, um, but you can't deny that Racecraft has something to do, it, do with it as well. And we saw him going with Hamilton today. Um, he knows how to perform under pressure as well. And, again, I'm just really enjoying watching him him race again and and also with, with Mick as well. I think it's it's a good pairing. It was a shame that we didn't get to kind of see them obviously both go out today. Yes, and of course, being the American team for next year, they're going to have three home races probably, uh, certainly two. Uh, Las Vegas is apparently the third US Grand Prix. Anyway, we'll see uh, what falls out. That's <laughs> just reports, but that hasn't been confirmed yet. Uh, apparently someone said that Las Vegas is already starting to sell tickets. Anyway, what I mean, that sounds like a very Las that Vegas thing. That doesn't surprise me. Do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for them, yeah. <laughs> it's important though for, I mean, obviously we know Drive to Survive, big in the US. This is the US team. Okay, they've lost the Russian influence now, which is a good thing for them to be able to be that team and for them to be fighting in the points. I imagine if Schumacher didn't crash out and they, he was also performing that he would absolutely as well be fighting for those points positions this is the team that gene haas has been wanting for a long time there's no random non-existent energy drink sponsor this is just his money and gunter and mick in an aldi catalog uh from last year (laughs) did he buy in back again at a good time he got into the low they were the worst team last year he managed to swoop in once this kind of russian money left and just yeah, it's my team again. I'll, you guys have had this for like the last three years or wherever it is kind of with all this other sponsorship and I'll just take a back seat and just you can use my name. And he swooped back in at the right time when they're good, off drive to survive, off all these things with more US races. I think his timing is perfect to swoop back in and take over back again as like mostly harsh run team, not kind of just the name. Yep. Uh, and I think like his track record's pretty good. Haas does incredible stuff throughout motorsport in America. Um, it's a known name. People know what they're doing uh, in throughout that organization. So I think it's perfect timing, to be honest. I think he's absolutely nailed it and excited to see how it grows uh, in the US. Yeah, instead of looking like a bunch of wankers, think- they're looking like a bunch of legends. Let's be very clear. <laughs> yeah. I think what will be more interesting is when you do – see the kind of the races develop over the course of the season and they're put under new pressures and different situations which they haven't been used to over the last couple of years to see how they respond to those I think you know so far they're yeah they're they're doing really well obviously in comparison to what we're used to with Haas Um, but you know have they really been challenged when it comes to race strategy for example um, and and that type of thing so it'll be interesting to see how they perform under those different conditions which they haven't really had to deal with yet Um, because I think that's when you go far beyond the drivers themselves and their machinery but actually how you're working together as a team, how you're communicating yeah. as a team um, and, and what the leadership is like in, in the garage as well um, and on the pit wall. So I think some of, as, we, as we evolve throughout the season, that will be an interesting thing to see from them um, but also potentially some, from the other teams who haven't been used to being up in those those positions, either fighting for, for points or podiums. 
yeah, that's, it's going to be, it is going to be interesting to see. You're absolutely right. Alpha Tauri, let's continue on. Uh, as we said, Sonoda didn't even start the race. Uh, he had his issue. Gasly finished in eighth. He did his normal thing, which is completely fly under the radar, have absolutely no coverage on uh, the television broadcast at all, but not a bad result for him. Uh, of course, it's better than being on fire, which he was last weekend. But it's not necessarily the strength of this car and him that we've seen in the past. Tommy T, uh, they're still trying to figure it out as well. But the Honda Power Unit, once they figure out this reliability issue, surely they'll start fighting towards that third, fourth position in the championship. Yeah, I think he was just outmatched with certain matchups today. I think there was just a few drivers that had his number um, and he couldn't, he couldn't get the straight line speed like the, the Red Bull team had. He was just kind of getting – he was sitting duck on those straights. And a few times you were like people breezed past him and he just had to kind of hold for eighth and that was the best he could really hope for today. But we haven't seen anything bad, like unlucky last week, but this week he kind of was just – did what he was supposed to do. We didn't get to see Sonoda, but you hope that he's going to be on those uh, previous form good races that he's had in the desert. Um, and we can hope – hopefully we can see that throughout Europe. We're out of the desert now, so I don't know. That's going to happen. <laughs> I know that's a good point, but we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, because I, I really grew to like Yuki through Drive to Survive. That was probably the one, the one thing that I enjoyed about it was getting to see the behind the scenes. And he's just he's super young and just kind of yeah. fish out of water almost. And it, it makes sense now the change that you saw in the end of the season when he did move to Italy and got mm. closer to the team. And they're like, no, you don't just get to hang out and in your dorm room and be I don't know a pleb. You have to come and work. <laughs> If you want to get better, dude. He's like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> but I don't want to work just, out. It, it makes sense. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to exercise. This sounds dumb. <laughs> yeah. But it was. It was just like trying He's to convince this very talented yeah, kid that he had to try because mm. he he obviously is that. And it was like, oh, right. So you don't just get to do this. And I think him seeing that through Pierre and other people and working with the team closely, he got that. So fingers crossed that holds and we get to see much more out of him because he is a great character and a different personality type to have in the sport and I'm I'm really enjoying that. Freya, McLaren, not that strong, but Norris did finish in seventh, which has given them some points on the board. They are obviously a, a DNF due to that issue that, that he had. Still not the start. We said this at the beginning of the episode, not the start that DRB would have wanted for his World Drivers Championship campaign in, in 2022. You can't almost help think that it's actually just in the bin already after two races, even though it's a long season and anything can happen. Um, for for these guys, though, they were starting to fight a little bit towards the mid-pack. Uh, he did have some good scraps. Daniel, I mean, uh, with some drivers, with the Alpines as well, and potentially, I mean, it's just how the race played out, virtual safety cars, safety cars, et cetera, which is why they ended up where they ended up. But there will be some positives to take away from this weekend, I think, in terms of how he was fighting in that mid-pack. I think there will be. You, know, you just want to see them constantly stepping forward every weekend. You know, if they hadn't moved up the pack a little bit this weekend, that would have been problematic. If we don't see it again when they go to Australia, that will be problematic. It's kind of that, um, you know, momentum in the right direction every single time they race um, that you, you want to see from from both of them. And like you said, for McLaren, it was good to see with, with Norris finishing in the points because it suggests that it is there. Um, but not the start that you want for for Ricardo, and it was just especially when we saw the replay, and you're just watching somebody just 
lose complete power out in the middle of the track. It was so dangerous where he was as well. Yeah. Kind of just hoping that all of their other protocols do kick into place and work as they need to to get make sure everybody else knows what's what's ahead of them at the at the time. That was a Oh, that gave me shivers kind of thinking about when you just know, again, to use Tommy's phrase, ducks. There's just ducks on the track everywhere, sitting ducks out there. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, as a McLaren fan, it's just got to keep the the hope alive, I think, that we keep improving every weekend. Um, there were some nice moments, but, yeah, it's not the strong performance that you wanted to see at the start of the season. I'm going to jump to a fantasy name because I also had this thought. It's Google Chrome Wheels Drives Like Internet Explorer at ET. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. Wow. That's, that Dick is what has happened with McLaren. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so let's true. keep going. Alpine, uh, Fernando being very frustrated, as we said, Tommy T, with a uh, with a DNF, with a big cool the car warning. He did trundle his way around the whole track anyway, just for the hell yeah. of it. He almost made it in too, which, uh, I mean... <laughs> Would have been kind of a win for him. Who knows? Um, trying to look at the positive. But Ocon finishing in sixth after that fight with Fernando. I mean, he almost put him into a wall, which I'm not totally yeah. stoked about. Um, yeah, we're talking about the team being letting them race fine, but have some parameters of which this actually works out because yeah. Fernando is the better driver team. Maybe just let him in front to see what he can do. Uh, but Tommy T, they just wasted time. Yeah, it's almost like uh, Ocon doesn't know where the line is and he kind of gets this just, we talk about it, the red mist, and he just goes into this mode of like at all costs, the pink mist, at all costs, just kind of just got to get this move done. He forgets, it's like, dude, that's your teammate. Like, what are you doing? And it was evident because Bottas was just creeping and going, you guys keep fighting. This is amazing. You're just wearing out your tires. You're getting me closer. I'm just sitting in the DRS training. I'm going to pounce. Uh, it was very stupid and I don't know why they didn't make the call earlier when it was clear that probably uh, Fernando had the pace, made the move cleanly and Ocon was just being a pest and defending for no reason and then was just trying to throw moves back. It was it was just one of those things. It's like this is detrimental to both of your race and overall points. You're going to let VB get through. It didn't make any sense. I don't know why they would let it mm. happen. Uh, maybe it was this – there's no – a driver in this team, so we're just gonna we're gonna sit on our hands for a bit and hope it works itself out. It was like, nah, step in here and go stop fighting for yourselves. If it comes back to it at the end of the race, go for it. But right now, neither of you are gonna like benefit from this, so there's no point. Um, yeah, an awkward time for Otmar to be on the radio. I'm sure he was like, man, now's the time that you pick me to be oh, on this telecast. I have to I have to deal with yeah. it. But he just kind of just didn't say anything. He's, yep, we're going to let them race. We're going to do this. And the main thing is they've got to keep VB behind. Well, they failed to do that. That was <laughs> <laughs> the one the thing they were supposed to do. The timing of the call just didn't make any sense. No. It was already yeah. done. And the then when, the he, when they just... switched back, yeah. it was stupid. Stupid. Yeah. But, I mean, we, we expect this from Alpine. And I think maybe yeah. a couple of the Alpine guys have gone over to McLaren for some strategy calls because – that tyre choice was just as bad to start, I think, but Oy. we will continue on. <laughs> yes, it is just big bags of not good. Uh, we will continue on. Let's keep going. Let's talk about Mercedes, Freya, uh, both finishing in the points, Hamilton in 10th and Russell in 5th. We mentioned a little bit earlier about 
Lewis's issues. But uh, look, this is George finishing the points again, Tommy T, uh, and no one's talking about him still. <laughs> it doesn't matter where he is on the grid. I'm fine. No with one's it. talking <laughs> about it. But uh, Freya, I mean, look, for, he outqualified his teammate. Um, he's clearly got a little more comfortable side of the garage. Half at the this grid point. out qualified his teammate, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, fair enough. Yeah. He qualified in sixth, though, and finished in fifth. So he moved ahead at least once, uh, one point. Uh, but for, for you, Freya, how do you see Mercedes? Because they are really just what I think McLaren were last year. The potential of a podium is there, but they have to work exceptionally hard and hope for other teams to fall away for them to get it. Well, that's the thing. You can kind of say, you know, Hamilton qualified 16th, finished 10th, um, but then a quarter of the field didn't finish. So, yeah, he he did work hard to to get there um, and it was kind of amazing, again, having complained about tyres on lap four, then as good as potentially could have done a whole race without pitting. Yep. Um, it, was, it was kind of amazing. So, yeah, he did have to work to get there, but like I said, you know, half the team dropped half the grid dropped away um but I mean it was interesting with Russell because he yes he outperformed Hamilton how hard did he have to work for it not as hard perhaps in other situations as he will have to it will be interesting to see how he goes about it in that car um but it's I don't know I don't think this is one of those situations where I don't think the result necessarily tells the whole story um, when it comes to his his race craft um, and he was kind of in the right place at the right time, which to be fair is all you have to be. That was Lewis last weekend. You know, he stuck mm. it out and he ended up on the podium. And if there had been another incident with anybody, the others, other vehicles, he could potentially have ended up on a podium as well um, depending on what happened. And that can be, um, you know, a, a <laughs> almost a bit of a recipe for success there as well. Just just finish the race and you might actually end up on a podium. So um, yep. this, this week was a funny one where I just don't think that the final results really tell the whole story. Um, but that Merck still obviously has work to do. Um, and I'll see how interesting to see how they both respond to whatever upgrades and whatnot they bring I bring to Australia. Let's talk about Ferrari, Tommy T. Uh, Signs still very frustrated. Can't get that gap closed to Charles Leclerc, but Charles Leclerc is absolutely stonking it, and uh, currently leading the championship still, uh, which is which is great for for Ferrari, of course, but. A second and third place for them. The Tifosi will still be quite happy. Pipped, of course, in the, last, the second to last lap, which is a shame, but the, the racing was good. Charles mm, against Max is a real big, big yes for me because obviously yeah. this new generation of cars means they can continue to have a crack at each other, lap after lap after lap after lap. Saw it last weekend, happened this weekend. Will this just be the, the narrative for the year, do you think? It could be until something develops and then it becomes harder to pass again. And this is what teams will do. So not only do they want to pass easy, but they want to make it harder for people to pass them. So I wouldn't get ahead of ourselves and it'll change again. It always does. Everyone finds a competitive advantage. But you're right. Leclerc has been on. He looks super comfortable in that car. He looks relaxed. He doesn't look like he's stressed out. Like he's not Monaco Leclerc that's frantic and making stupid mistakes. He looks so cool, calm, collected. Those moves when he let Max through and then just proceeded to overtake again, like that is very mature kind of driving. He wasn't mm. irrational and erratic. Uh, but, yeah, I think it seems like, I mean, it's so early to call, but they are the team to beat. They do have the best package so far. They have the best driver pairing in my opinion. Um, and I think if, if science can find that 
extra little bit and kind of develop the car more in his direction. I think you're going to see them competing against each other more than they're going to be competing against Red Bull more often. It's going to be the two Ferraris and Verstappen and the top three like it was the two Mercedes and Verstappen. I think that's going to be the new norm for sure. Yeah, I think you're right. Ferrari are looking pretty good, Freya. I mean, if Red Bull sort out their reliability issues, potentially they're not looking like the best package, but still they are. Uh, even if they're finishing in second and third, the consistency though is there, which is obviously very important. I mean, we're only second race in, of course, and yes, we've been in the desert, so we'll see what happens as we go around the world. But I still feel for Carlos Sainz, I feel like you're probably similar to me. You want him to be up ahead of Charles. I do. Carlos, he's my guy. I don't know. <laughs> I like him um, and I want to see him be successful. And and like you said, um, uh, Tommy, I just don't, I, just, I do wonder if he's kind of got the car where he needs to for his own driving style, which Charles seems to have really got down pat now. But it was, it's, I think it's a real shift in what we're seeing from Charles in terms of his approach. As you said, he's much calmer um, and he seems to be thinking one move ahead, which I'm not sure we've really mm-hmm. seen from him before. So to me, for him, this is a serious evolution in his, his racecraft and racing ability, which means that if he faces challenges at any one of these tracks, he's starting to have a bit more confidence in the decision-making that he has in the moment um, as well as that, that mindset when it comes to being able to focus under, under that intense racing pressure. So I think you know, you're starting to see what you need to for a seriously high performer in sport. Um, with that said... I would really like to see the same from from Sainz um, and yep. would hope that he's going to have a few wins over him. And the, I think the person who will get in the way of that potentially will be, you know, a, a Checo Verstappen move because they do work well as a team. And I think, again, that's something that we haven't been able to see yet from Mercedes. Um, we've seen a, a snippet of it from, um, from Ferrari last week. Um, but, again, they didn't really have to do it because – Neither of the Red Bulls finished. So um, we'll see how they manage to evolve when it comes to being able to work together to to defend and to get the podiums. Um, but I think that the biggest danger to them will be the fact that we know that um, Verstappen and Perez can do that collectively. You know, they have those, those shared goals and we know that they can work together to achieve an outcome. Yeah, Tommy T, it's interesting, isn't it? I think the, the shared outcome, and yeah, I think you're right in terms of best driver pairing with Ferrari, uh, but we know that Checo is going to support Max and Red Bull in every absolute way that he can. And his pole position this weekend shows that he he has the pace to be able to win a couple of races this year as well. So again, if we sort out the reliability issues, potentially we, we have two exceptional teams with two exceptional teammates working as well as they can together. We'll see some excellent rear gunning and strategy. And once we sort of play out towards the mid part of the season, and if one of these drivers out of these two teams is leading, we might see that. But Red Bull as a whole, though, will be very happy, of course, with this weekend. We're sad to miss out on that podium spot for Checo, of course. But first and fourth, much better than just not finishing at all, which is last weekend. Uh, And they're going to need that consistency going forward. He is getting better and better, Checo. There's no doubt about it. Max, as you said earlier on, is only going to settle into this car. So it's really going to be this fight probably towards the end of the season, Ferrari and Red Bull. Yep, I think so. Uh, and you could you could hear, I think Max has changed as well. You could hear on the radio, he was disappointed on Checo's behalf that the, the virtual safety car screwed him over, which is not the Max that we're used to. 
Mm. I mean, maybe once yeah. Daniel had left, they had kind of had that relationship. But at the time, there was no no caring whatsoever. And it just calls back to that last race when you can hear it in Max's voice after Checo had put up that amazing defense in Yas Marina. Um, Yas Queen Marina. <laughs> Thank you. Checo's a legend. <laughs> Proper name. They've built such a strong bond. Uh, and I think they know their place, but also like they care about each other's results and they both want to do well and do well for the team. So I think that's that's so different from Max. I haven't seen that and I'm excited to see that more compassionate kind of team orientated, not just step on everyone on my way to the top. It's it's a different kind of Max and he wants team success as well as his own success now that he's had this this driver's championship. But yeah, I think they're going to be really strong. He's I think so potentially right, realised that he shown. needs Checo. Yeah, like, yeah, he's, he's also realised that he, that he, he needs him. Like I wouldn't driver for a long time. No, and I, so I think to that point, I wouldn't necessarily um, assume that it's entirely altruistic. In that, Checo's success is, is yeah. his success, and he needs to be in the right mm. place in order to help him win as well. Um, which again, we saw at the end of last year being absolutely critical to him being um, being ready to line up for the final lap. So. Um, yeah, I wouldn't suggest that it's entirely a shift in character, but it's <laughs> as a fan, it's nice to see. Well, that's our team-by-team team analysis done. Let's go to Campy's favourite part of the podcast, our Fantasy League. Fantasy. 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 names there are 137 of you in the league now which means there are so many good names uh look keep changing them as i said there is there are prizes rather to be won at the end of the season uh i'm not going to read out all of them because they're just too fantastic but i will read out some of them here i'm bringing hulken back will d this is great Uh, manus has got a good one here you're not winning any prizes manus stop it bed bath and (laughs) sonoda um all signs point to a ferrari wdc uh drew h nicole Kenberg, Damien C, you have to say it like that. Um, it was written like that, yeah. yeah. It was written like that too. Slower than Williams. <laughs> Dennis, yeah, you're not wrong. Bodass kicking Russell. Rory N, very good. Uh, Honda, the power the power of Campy's smoky bin. Joshua T, uh, Hulkenback III, Josh C, yes. Uh, cool guys don't look at explosions. <laughs> Harrison Z. Uh, Hearth Queen, that's very good too. Like Yarth Queen Marina. Um, surely McLaren is still sandbagging. Zach G, I agree. Uh, we're just we waiting only for hope. the absolute domination from the other mm-hmm. half. Um, Force Alpindia, I like that. Karim K. Uh, Slipstream Headbanger, Chris F. Yes, absolutely. Campy for Prime Minister, Harrison P. No incorrect answer. Um, Where's Wally has entered the chat? Haley H. Oligarch Finance Racing, Paul W. I'm only reading that out, mate, because I know you can't actually change that in the chat. You've posted it in our Discord, so thank you mm-hmm. for doing that. Uh, Addy T, I've mentioned <laughs> this before. Google Chrome Wheels drives like Internet Explorer. Latifi for president, Josh D, absolutely. Uh, why are we still racing here? Great question, Josh L. <laughs> um, live from the Red Bull Garage, that's you, Frey. Again, no points. Uh, not struggling on <laughs> Purpoise. Destiny W and my favourite, Lydia, you won last year and you're pretty much on point for winning this year already on the shag, Lydia S. Um, <laughs> here's where we stand and not very well. Uh, Manus is in eighth, very annoyingly. Uh, TT, you're next very. on 33rd. Then I'm 107th, Campy's 105th and Freya's not even playing at 131st. <laughs> 
I think Freya's in the meeting. She's lost her password. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just hanging out with McLaren yeah. back here, all right? Second half of the season, it's going to yeah. be good. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Very, very good. Well, you if you want to join that. in, you can find the link to the description below or head to our website and click on fantasy to find the code there. Guys, thank you so much for chatting all about this Grand Prix. We'll be back next week for our preview of the Australian Grand Prix. And if you're listening and you will be in Melbourne, well, we will be in a pub probably on the Friday night after practice ahead of qualifying summer in South Melbourne and potentially after the race recording a live episode with an audience uh, stick around for details with that the best place to learn about all of that though is our discord channel make sure you jump across there uh, and join the fantastic community thank you to you if you've joined only recently it has been great having you there as well but it is time to say goodbye we'll see you next week for our preview episode the australian grand prix Three thirty. Just came in and yeah, watched. Okay. Me too. It's really gross. I just took half an hour to get from the bedroom to the couch and <laughs> yeah, also I made to myself operate a, a motor vehicle, so it's a little, a little <laughs> more precarious. A golf. Stupid people who drive golfs. <laughs>